Well, good evening, everyone. Good to have you here. We had a good service this morning, and uh, another beautiful day that the Lord has given to us to praise and glorify Him. Uh, a couple announcements this, this evening. I almost said this morning. This evening, before we get started. First of all, if it's your first time joining us here in person, please stop by our welcome desk. We had lots of visitors this morning. I don't know if you were able to catch as many as, as you could, uh, trying to introduce yourself and make them feel welcome. Uh, we had a praise this morning. Pastor had eight or nine people look up at him this morning um, that they professed Christ as their Savior. So that's exciting um, to see that. Most of them were visitors, a couple from the choir, a couple parents. And so just uh, hopefully that the Lord will allow us to have that uh, continued uh, discipleship with them. But if, if you're joining us here for the first time, please stop by the welcome desk. Join us for the first time online, so please, go, please go to sbt.org slash connect, sbtindy.org slash connect. We'd love to connect you there. Our carols and cookies, pastor said this morning it's the 18th. We had to make a change. Um, we didn't see that there was already a conflict on the schedule. And so it's going to be this coming Sunday night. Uh, after the evening service, we'll do our carols and cookies. And so uh, if you are interested, do they usually bring cookies for that, pastor? People bring cookies? Yeah, if you can bring cookies, uh, that would be great. If you want to have cookies, if not, we'll just do carols. Um, but that'll be after the evening service this coming Sunday, okay, December 11th, so a week from tonight, and so you can be aware of that. Christmas is Southeast, as we've been saying before, we had, uh, we have these cards to give out as well. If you want to go ahead and grab some in the back, you can give them out to your neighbors, your friends. It's got a QR code on the back they can use with their phone. It's got our times and where we're located, um, and so we're looking forward to that. But Christmas Eve is 7 o'clock, and then our Christmas Day, just one service at 1045 with some special music and scripture reading and things like that. So looking forward to Christmas is Southeast. Our latest Bible study uh, begins January 5th, so coming up quicker than you might think. Uh, it's going to be, uh, this month is going to fly. And so uh, January 5th is a Thursday, it's 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. And again, you sign up by giving your money for the, um, for the book, and you can sign up in the lobby out there. Our missions conference is coming up. Looking forward to it. We have all four missionaries confirmed now, and so we're looking forward to that. I am still in need of housing for one more missionary, so if you are interested, please. I think it's just a single guy. Uh, well, he's married, but his family's not coming with him. So we'll just be one guy. Um, so if you're interested, please come see me for that. Uh, but that's a Friday night through a Sunday evening. And so it's a jam-packed weekend, uh, but a great time for our church to catch a heart for missions. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Our missionaries of the week are Joel and Jody Sandahl. As uh, Pastor said this morning in Germany, they, uh, they had a retreat recently, and they had 54 people show up for their retreat, which was more than they were expecting. And so they were excited about that. But they're praying. They're asking for prayer. They have a Christmas city festival uh, actually this coming Saturday. And so there's praying for good outreach opportunities there and for good um, connections with people into this, in the city. One more announcement before I'm done. Um, mailboxes are starting to fill up with Christmas cards. So if you have not checked your mailbox recently, you might want to check them soon or else it's going to be too full and people will start putting stuff in mine. And uh, if there's money in them, I can't, I'm not going to apologize. So uh, make sure you check your mailboxes. We want to make sure we get those and so you can see who has given you Christmas cards and stuff like that. So Go ahead and stand with me. We're going to pray, and then we will turn over to Devin to sing. Precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for your goodness to us. Uh, we thank you for another day that you've given to us to glorify you. We thank you for this Christmas time and um, just what it means to us as believers, Lord, the fact that you would come to this earth and uh, take on uh, the form of a servant and uh, become in the likeness of men, Lord, that you would come down for us because you love us. We don't understand that love, but we're thankful for it. Lord, help us tonight as we worship you and praise you through song and through the word. I pray that your hearts would be open and attentive to what you wear us to say. We thank you for these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Brett. Christmas has much more meaning if you keep Christ in it, does it not? Um, Luke chapter 2 says, And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts 
praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. We're going to start our service this evening with singing, hark the herald angels sing. Let's lift our hearts and voices to God. I'm coming, sorry about that. Birthdays and anniversaries. Let's see what we have in the way of birthdays and anniversaries today. Anybody this last week? Birthdays. Any birthdays this last week? Keenan had a birthday. How old are you, Keenan? Ten years old. And we're looking forward to seeing how many more of those we can get out of you. Ten. Anybody else? Birthdays this last week? Joe had a birthday. When was your birthday, Joe? November 30th. And how long have you done the Lord as your Savior? Are you asking? I was 24? 24 years. All right. Praise the Lord. Since 98. Anyone else? How about, oh, William, when was your birthday? Friday. How long have you known the Lord as your Savior? How old are you? 15. All right. Ten years, no the Lord. Wow, this is the week for birthdays. Anybody else? Birthdays this last week. How about anniversary? Anybody have an anniversary? 
I think it's an odd time for anniversaries, but, uh, you know, hey, my in-laws did that, so nobody else has an anniversary. Let's sing happy birthday to these young folks. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Go, Mr. Nook. Mr. Johnson, come on up. To those of the congregation which are able, please stand for the reading of sacred scripture. Book of Daniel, chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, O Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof, for as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation, but thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour, and his thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, the dream be to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. The tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto the heaven, and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation, it is thou. O king, thou art grown and become strong, for thy greatness is grown and reacheth unto heaven, and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And whereas the king saw a watcher and an holy one coming down from heaven, and saying, Hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, and the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven, let his portion be with the beasts of the field, till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which is come upon my lord the king, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee, after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. May the Lord prosper his word whereto we send it. You may be seated. Thank you, Jonathan. We're going to continue our, our singing. Uh, Luke goes on to say in uh, Luke chapter 2, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now even unto Bethlehem and see which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Let us sing now, come all ye faithful.
song, How Dark the Night. Stand with me if you would as we sing How Dark the Night. Was it last week we had all the missionaries here and then again this week? So it's good to have the Coopers with us. We voted to take you on for support. I guess you know that. So you thought maybe you better show up. No, I'm just kidding. Good to have you guys. And how are things going for you? Going good. Great. Glad to hear it. So excited to see you on your way and getting ready to, uh, uh, your, are you on full-time deputation yet? 
Yes, so if they're on full-time deputation, waiting to uh, get enough money to get themselves to hunger, no, to hungry, is that right? I was saying that right, hungry. All right, and then uh, the Klingemans came in last week, and they're here this week as well. I asked Bruce uh, to give us an update on things that are going on, so Brother Bruce, come on up and give us an update. I want to th thank you all for supporting us the last three and a half years. Um, you've prayed and you've given, and um, we, we couldn't have done it uh, without your support. And uh, your prayers uh, make all the difference. I, I like to say that in, in all my letters because it, uh, it really does. This is not a work of the flesh, but a work of faith and faith in our, in our God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the, it's been about three and a half years. And I read something about three and a half years in the Bible. It's, it's, there's a pair of three and a half years there in Revelation, and it's mentioned in Daniel. And I'm wondering, did I just finish the first half or the second <laughs> half? I'm really hoping this was the second half. Uh, because the, the, if, you, if you read the, the first half, it was easy. Uh, so... But when we land, it's time to, it will be time to, um, really, in, in the business world, they say uh, it's time to, you know, show some results. We want, you know, um, the prayers, though, the point was not getting us through deputation. Um, it, the point was to get the gospel um, into the ear of uh, the Marines and, and airmen. Um, and hold them down long enough, get them to pay attention, and uh, make a decision. And uh, all, the, all the training was, uh, the theological training is there to answer the questions that unbelievers have. And uh, we will encounter a lot of believers that are away from the Lord. And, um, and their, their parents will be, are praying for them that they would, they would uh, turn, turn back to the Lord and, and um, and that's what we'll be uh, trying to do also. Uh, we finished, okay, just within the last couple weeks, we had uh, a few weeks, but a month, maybe a month, two months ago, um, the door opened uh, and we, we acquired a, a facility uh, without uh, a cost to us. So that was, a, that was just a, a huge um, blessing um, that, that, that that came about. Lord, waiting, waiting till the last minute. He, he really likes doing, doing that, and it drives me nuts. Um, so at this point, we have 100% support for our projected expenses of, of the van. Um, an essential part of a, a serviceman center ministry is, is a van because the guys don't have uh, transportation. Uh, and uh, the serviceman center facility that we'll meet at uh, starting uh, the, at first uh, Friday nights, uh, just th on those days where they're where they get into trouble so we want to uh, interrupt their, their trouble and get them into the Bible instead of uh, the bars and we are going as tent makers um, I think most of us I think most of y'all knew that but in case you didn't um, I'll be working a full-time job uh, I work for a uh, a, a medical uh, a hospital software company and uh, I'll be working from from home, and that will provide all of my, my personal expenses, like our rent and, and things like that. Let's see. 
Make sure, make sure we don't forget anything. A recent change you may have heard was our mission board. So we're, we're not going as a Armed Forces Baptist Missions missionaries. Uh, we're just going as Southeast Baptist missionaries. And that, that came at just the right time. It would have been uh, very difficult if we had gotten on the field in that, when that change came about. Uh, and all that means is that our, um, the money that comes in from the churches will go to Central Missionary Clearinghouse uh, to process and to, uh, and that they'll do all the, the IRS and, and tax information and nonprofit, et cetera, uh, before transferring it uh, to us. Uh, we, we praise the Lord for the, the facility and uh, without cost, that was just uh, such a big blessing. And providing our support for the van. Uh, when, we, when we pray, I remind the Lord that you all are praying. I said, Lord, all these people are praying for us. It's not just me. You know, I'm not coming before the throne alone. It's, you all are there with me. Uh, just the only thing we have left is to ship a few boxes uh, and, um, and get on the plane. And we're, we, we are still open um, to leave as early as December 12th. And that, that is uh, still um, flexible in case something comes up, we can uh, push that out. If you have any questions at all, is any question on your mind right now, I can answer it. Otherwise, um, you can see me afterwards if, we have, if you have any questions about the facility, the van, the budget, just um, anything at all. And uh, all right, we will be uh, Ministry of Bethel Baptist Church of Dededo, Guam. Pastor uh, Stephen Barnes, he is uh, anxious to, to see us uh, arrive. And actually, something came up just today. There's another missionary on the island uh, the Hendersons, um, a, a big family. The, the boys know their, know their kids uh, there at, in ministry. And um, Pastor Barnes is good friends with, with uh, Pastor Henderson. His church is about an hour south. And they, they minister to the uh, Chamorros and there on the island. And um, he, he actually offered us his, his home to stay at when we arrive. So we won't have to stay at a hotel. And so that... That uh, relieved us of a of, of a, an expense, and uh, so that was a, a big blessing. And we'll we'll meet with him when he returns. He's here in the states uh, for the month of December, and then they'll be back there. And uh, if I'm getting anything, all right, that's all we had. Yeah, yeah, every time. Amen. Well, there's the one thing that uh, he didn't mention. He, in order to. Uh, make this all happen fairly soon. They are looking for $12,000 to buy tickets and then pack everything on and go. Uh, that's really the only thing standing in the way at this point. It seems like the Lord just continued to open doors for them. Uh, so we met with the deacons this afternoon and we would like to suggest to you that we just take that $12,000 out of the um, missions account and get them on the field and get it started. Uh, we feel like the Lord's been opening doors, so there's a possible open door for us here. So you can think about it during the rest of the service, and then we'll, uh, we'll uh, talk about it when they're not here. But uh, we'd still just, uh, that's exciting. We're excited to see what the Lord's done, Bruce. And uh, he said to me this morning, I'd like to leave, Pastor, by December the 12th. He'd, and he didn't mean next year, by the way, just so you know. So it's like, 
Okay, so what do you need? 12,000. He didn't say 12,000 dollars, 11,000 some odd dollars, and you know, we rounded it up. And, uh, and uh, so, you know, tickets are 1,500 bucks a piece plus some change, and so it's like, whoo, it's just, just expensive to get there. But once they're there, then the work can begin. Everything's there. I mean, and the pastor over there, I've spoken to him in Guam, he is chomping at the bit to get them over there and get them started. So, uh, honestly, the support's come in, the things have uh, worked out, and so uh, the, the only thing left is to get them there. So we, we'd like to, uh, for you to consider that. We, we think it'd be great if we could be a part of uh, getting them over there. Take your Bible, turn to John chapter 4 for just a moment. John chapter 4. We're going to look here uh, at the, this passage of Scripture, a little bit different. Uh, I know we're in Daniel, but we're going to look at John chapter 4 this week. Uh, since we've got all this missionary stuff going on, uh, it's just a good opportunity for us. We don't want to be like the disciples here in John chapter 4. What happens in John chapter 4? What's the great story of John chapter 4? The woman at the well, right? That's the great story of John chapter 4. It's a great opportunity for Jesus to share the gospel. I love how Jesus, this is not the message, but I love, we've talked about this before, but how Jesus does this is just uh, incredible, how he kind of lures this uh, this woman into a conversation about the gospel. And, I, and lure isn't the right word because there was no trickery involved. Uh, the reality is she could have stopped the conversation anytime she wanted. Uh, but Jesus has a conversation in such a way that brings about actual conversation. Yesterday, when we were at the uh, parade, it was so, it was a joy. I'm going to call out Miss Glenda for just a moment. We hadn't been there for, I don't know, we literally just opened up. And the first people that come up to the, uh, to the booth, Miss Glenda takes them through the entire gospel. And, uh, and they didn't back away. They were interested. It was, a, it was a conversation. It wasn't one of those awkward type, you know, sit here and listen while I tell you what I want to say. It wasn't that. It was conversation. I thought, praise the Lord, that's the kind of conversation that you want to have about the gospel. And, uh, and honestly, I, think, I fully expect those people to come and visit our church. They really showed a lot of interest, and, and uh, it was an exciting time. So uh, that's what Jesus does here in John chapter 4. We'll, we'll pray, and then we'll jump into this and uh, look at this together. Father, uh, we ask that you would just uh, use your word, God. Help us to grow and help us to understand uh, the wonderful gospel message that we have to share. We thank for, think of our missionaries that are here tonight and pray that you would just uh, continue to open up doors for them and give them the opportunity to, to go to the fields that you've called them to and to uh, share the gospel with those who desperately need to hear it and give us the opportunity, not just the opportunity, but the boldness and the courage to share the gospel in the field that you've called us to right here in Indianapolis. And Father, we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let's just go ahead and back up to John chapter 4 and verse 1. As Jesus is coming to the, to the woman at Samaria, verse 4, he says, let's skip down to verse 4, he says, he must needs go through Samaria. If you remember this story, Right, the, the uh, Jewish people did not like the Samaritans. They did not like them. They were, they were um, what would be pejoratively called half-breeds, and they, they did not belong right, rightly in the line. And so the Jewish people hated them so much that rather than going through Samaria to get from upper here to Jerusalem here, they would go around Samaria because they just wanted to avoid the area. And Jesus said, nope, we're going to go through Samaria. And that was an, an initial problem altogether. But then uh, in verse 6, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, uh, therefore being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, and there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. 
Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. And so here's the next thing that happens. So this is the first part of the conversation. Here, here's a weird thing. This fact that Jesus, this Jew, is actually in Samaria. That's weird. Then, when this woman comes up and this Jewish man strikes up a conversation with this Samaritan woman, that is like unheard of. That doesn't happen. Nobody does that. And, and uh, so uh, it, it's like, wait a minute. And so she says, how is it thou being a Jew askest a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? So not only is she a Samaritan, but she's a woman. And so all this scenario is like, this doesn't fit with what should be happening, at least in her mind, and yet here's Jesus. She could stop the conversation anytime. She could have just got him some drink and walked away, right? Uh, but uh, Jesus goes on in verse 10. He, uh, she says, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, give me to drink, thou would ask him, and he would have given thee living water. Now again, the conversation can end any time. Right, But Jesus is provocative in the way he is carrying on this conversation. I mean, it's like, well, you should be asking me for something to drink, and I would give you living water. And the woman says, that there is, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Again, there's no demand on this woman, right? He asked her for a drink. She can walk away at any time that she wants, but the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Now, Jesus needs her to understand that this water is of a spiritual nature, and he needs her to understand why it is that all mankind needs to drink of this water because we have a sin problem. So he says unto the woman, uh, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou hast now hast is not thy husband. In that thou saidest thou, uh, saidest thou truly. Wow. I mean, now Jesus really cuts to the core, right? You're living in sin. And this is the problem. This is why you need the water that I, that I want to offer you. And um, so, you know, Jesus helps her to understand that. Again, I'm just being honest. Stop here. Think about this. Does the woman have to do anything else at this point? She can walk away anytime that she wants. Now, I'll grant you that Jesus may have crossed an awkward line at this point, right? The man you're living with isn't your husband. Yeah, okay. Uh, you know, that may have crossed an awkward line, but the better line that he crossed is the one that she asked about because she's amazed that he knows these things, right? And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the fathers. The Samaritans worshipped here. They had that set up as their holy place, uh, the Jewish people in Jerusalem. Uh, ye worship, ye know not. What? We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, 
When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeth such to worship him. God is spirit, and they to worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us what she say. All things. Oh. You see what Jesus did just a little bit earlier? Do you see how Jesus has drawn this woman into this conversation? I think sometimes we mess up the gospel, if you'll let me say it that way. We mess up the gospel because we think that we, everybody has uh, the obligation to listen to us. That we have the right to speak and you're just supposed to sit down, be quiet, and listen to what I have to say. And, and we're more interested in just getting this across than engaging someone in seeing their need. And so this woman, she begins to, you know, she's like, wow, I'm beginning to see this. And look what Jesus says in verse 26. Jesus said unto him, I that speaketh unto thee am he. She says, I know the Messiah comes. Jesus says, I am the Messiah. I mean, wow, this has come full circle. This is a big deal. This woman has now been confronted with her sins. She's been confronted with the Savior and she knows that he is here to offer living water, and she is, he has offered that living water to her. And this is an amazing thing. Now I want to share, this is really the crux of the message here in verse 27, because I want to, I want to look at the, the, the wrong side of this equation here. This is where the disciples get stuck. Look at verse 27. And upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman, Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot, and went her way into the city, and saith unto the men, Come, see a man, uh, which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And they went out of the city and came unto him. Now, that's what's going on in the background. But look at verse 31. In the meantime, in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed, not prayed to him. They begged him. They said to him, Master, eat. Do you see the problem here? Jesus is doing the work whereunto he has been called. He's sharing the gospel. The disciples, they're stuck on two things. One, why is he talking to a Samaritan woman? And two, why aren't we eating? What's the matter with this picture? There's some important things happening. Do you see this? There are some important things taking place and the disciples are missing it. And that's where then we come into this story when uh, Jesus begins to answer back in verse 32. He said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. He's like, listen, disciples, you, you're missing the point. I, I, I'm already enjoying the blessings of eating. The, my spirit is being fed. I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore, said the disciples one to another, have any man brought him aught to eat? They're missing it. The disciples keep missing it and missing it and missing it. There's wonderful things happening over here. This woman is, is coming to Christ, and not only this woman, but she's about to bring this entire city along with her to Christ. And the disciples are hung up on food. <laughs> it's time to eat. Uh, they're hung up on it. Uh, take a look at what Jesus goes on to say. Jesus said that to them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. 
And then he goes into this. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Now, stop for just a moment, because I want, you to, I want to ask a simple question. Where were the disciples looking? And where were the disciples not looking? Here's what the Bible says. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already into harvest. Now, I have no idea that they're standing around a group of fields or not. You know, they're standing by a well. They're outside, obviously, so there's probably some fields around them. I don't know if Jesus is referring to those fields or not. We know that he's referring to the field, the harvest of souls. That's going to be very apparent in just a little bit, right? But what, we're, what, we're, what is obvious is where the disciples are not looking, right? They're not looking at the fields. They're missing it. There's an obvious... There's an ob obvious harvest around them, and the disciples are missing it. Something's not there, and something's not clicking for the disciples. Jesus is like, we're over here. Can you guys not see what's happening? I, I was just talking to this lady about the gospel, and you guys are like, when are we going to eat? What's the matter with this picture? And Jesus is like, you guys have got to, you got to figure this out. Look up, lift up your eyes. Here's what I do know about this verse. I know the disciples were not looking at the fields, right? They were not looking at the harvest of souls that is all around us. Do you see that? I also know this. They didn't have to move anywhere to see the harvest. From right where they were, Jesus said, lift up your eyes. Look on the, look on the fields. They're white. Didn't have to go anywhere. I mean, there's lost people all around. Didn't have to go anywhere. The harvest is all around us. Jesus says, would you just for a moment get your eyes off of other things and see that which is important? Because that which is important is the harvest that's right in front of us, right before our eyes. Now, I'm going to make some suggestions. If the disciples were not looking up, he says, lift up your eyes, where were they looking? Perhaps down, all right? Maybe they were looking down. What's down? I don't know. You know, it, they, maybe they're discouraged. You know, we've been at this thing for a couple of years now, and nothing's, you know, we're still waiting for Jesus to set up his kingdom, and it hasn't happened, and Jesus is making us go through Samaria. We don't want to go. He's embarrassing us by talking to this woman. I mean, I don't know. They're, they're not looking up. So perhaps they're looking down. What, what is distracting us? from the harvest around us? Have we gotten our eyes on the problems? When I think of looking down, I think of that discouragement, that looking down, focusing on the issues that we have. All of us have issues, right? Everybody has problems. Everybody has problems. And we can get so focused on the problems that we forget that one of the very reasons God brings us into problems is to give us an opportunity to comfort those wherewith we also have been comforted. Remember we looked at that last Wednesday, I think it was? God takes this circumstance that he's got us in and uses it, so he drags us sometimes through a problem so that we can have a chance to witness to somebody. But all I know is the disciples are not looking up. Lift up your eyes. So perhaps they're looking down. Perhaps the disciples are looking around. Well, Peter's not doing anything more than I, better than I am. And John's just standing over there. and Andrew's back behind me. And, and they're looking around. They're comparing themselves to others, right? I mean, let's just be honest. Look at this. We're not doing half bad. 
right? Good Sunday night crowd. Not doing half bad compared to that church down the road. I mean, if all we're doing is comparing ourselves to other people, then we're looking right past the harvest to look at the other people that are there, the comparisons we're making. What I don't know, I don't, I don't know what they're looking at. I just know what they're not looking at. They're not looking at the harvest. They're missing it someplace. So maybe it is that they're just caught up in, in looking around at all the stuff of, of life, right? The, they're looking around at the, the busyness that they're all in. They're comparing themselves to each other. We know that they had a problem with comparing themselves to each other, right? We know that the, you know, they were looking and saying, you know, what can I get out of this? Hey, uh, Jesus, would you consider putting me on, my, my, on your right hand and my brother on your left hand when, when you come into your kingdom? Right? We know they had a problem with that. We know they had a problem with, with you know, just uh, you know, focusing on other people that way. Uh, what's getting in the way of us seeing the harvest? If they weren't looking down, if they weren't looking around, maybe they were too busy looking at themselves. And this can be two-sided, right? It can be like Peter. I will never deny you. I am better than that. I love you more than that. I will never, I, I'm gonna, I will never let you die when we get to Jerusalem. And he, remember all the, all the nevers that Peter is uttering? And so maybe it is that, like the Apostle Paul says later on, we think more highly of ourselves than we ought. You see, here's, here is a reality. We know this, that the disciples were not speaking to the Samaritan woman about the gospel for one main reason. She was a Samaritan woman, right? They're shocked that Jesus is doing so. They don't understand it. They begin to think more highly that I'm not going to lower myself. I'm not going to belittle myself to reach out to that kind of person. I don't know what they were looking at. I, don't, I only know what they were not looking at. They were not seeing the harvest that was all around them. But then there's the other side of that coin, right? There's a guy who says, you know, I could never talk to somebody about Jesus because I'm not worthy of talking to somebody about Jesus. Look how awful my life has been. Look how bad my life has been. And they begin to focus on themselves. And can I point this out? Both of those are driven by pride. You understand? It's a focus on self, no matter what. And we've got to get our eyes off of us. The harvest is all around us. Jesus says to the disciples, Lift up your eyes, and behold, look on the fields. They're white already unto harvest. There are people who need to hear and who are ready to hear the gospel. These disciples would have walked right by the woman at the well. Let's finish the story. Well, let's finish Jesus speaking first. He says, And ye, uh, he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he... Both uh, that both he that soweth, that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth, another reapeth. I sent you to reap whereupon ye, sowed, ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Listen, this is the wonderful thing about the Christian life. You say, well, you know what, Pastor, I would, I would witness that person, but I haven't had a chance to get to know them yet. I haven't had a chance to, to build that relationship with them yet. But here's the point. What you don't know is that three Christians ago, somebody took the time to get that person ready for the gospel. And all you and I have to do is walk up and give the gospel because they're ready. 
We're going we're gonna to reap upon that which someone else has labored. That is a wonderful thing that begins to happen in Christianity. Now, take a look at this. The disciples, they're missing it. They're missing it. They're not looking and seeing the opportunity that is around them here. But take a look at verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. Many in that city. Now, here's what the disciples would have missed. First of all, they probably would never have gone through Samaria, right? They probably would have gone around it. But even going through it, there's no question looking at them, they would have passed by the woman at the well. They were focused on other things. Let's just get through this. Here, let's eat so we can keep moving. Here, pa- here Master, eat, eat. We need to keep moving. Right? That's, that's what they were focused on. And they were missing something, an opportunity that was there. The fields, white in the harvest. This woman comes to Christ. And then through the saying of, the, of that woman, many in the city believe. And it doesn't stop there. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them and abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own words. Many believed because of the woman. Many more believed because of his own words. I wonder what the disciples are doing, doing during this time. The disciples are out gathering food when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. When the woman goes back to tell the city what's going on, the disciples are talking about food. In the meanwhile, it says, the disciples are talking, Master, let's eat. I don't understand what's going on. And then many believe. And now they come back and they talk to Jesus personally, and many more believe. When are the disciples going to get the message? The field is white on the harvest. Folks, this is why we send missionaries out. Because the field is white on the harvest. Because now we believe, I'm sorry, and many more believed because of her own, his own words, and said unto the woman, now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard it from him ourselves, and know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. That's what happens when we get our eyes off of ourselves, off of the things around us, off of the discouragement that is happening in our life, when we look up and see the fields for what they are, white under harvest. So, listen, Christian, here we are. You're going to go to work tomorrow, and there's going to be a lot on your plate. You're going to go to school tomorrow, and there's going to be a lot to do, and there's going to be a lot of things happening, and it's going to be very easy for us to get distracted by the necessities, distracted by the fact that we've got to eat, distracted by the fact that this is a little uncomfortable situation for us. And we're going to be distracted by all that, but the reality is when we go out of this place, we are entering into a place that is white unto harvest. It is white unto harvest. That doesn't mean every person you talk to is going to get saved. But it does mean this. Every person you don't talk to won't. Do you see how that works? Not every person we talk to will come to Christ. But it is a guarantee that every person we don't talk to won't, at least not through us. How can they believe except they hear? And how can they hear except one tell them? 
This is not going to happen unless we take our eyes off of the other stuff and see the field that is light unto harvest. I'm so encouraged that we get to see Bruce and Manette and the other two kids. There's four of them going all the way, by the way. Finally make it to the field. Isn't that exciting? Three and a half years, COVID in between there, which is a hard hit. But, you know, here we are. We sent Dennis off, you know, a month ago, and now we're sending uh, Bruce off. You know, Donnie and them are going to be taking off pretty soon. And it's like, this is what we're supposed to be doing because there's a white harvest field just waiting for a missionary to tell them. And there's a white harvest field where you work and where you go to school and where your life happens if we could get our eyes off of the other things and see the harvest. You see, Jesus did not say, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say here, but Jesus did not say, pray that the harvest gets ready. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he send forth laborers into the field. The harvest is ready. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. That's what he said. And we need to get busy about the things that God has called us to do as a Christian. It's, it's an important time. Uh, let's not be these disciples. Let's not miss out on the blessing of an entire city turning out to hear the gospel. Because one woman living in sin places her faith in Jesus Christ. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You're around, you, you're surrounded, right? We know that. We're surrounded. The disciples didn't have to go anywhere. They don't have to move. All they have to do is look up. Just look up. The field is there. White unto harvest. Say, Pastor, even now, God is bringing to mind some of those potential harvest crops in my life. Even now, God is bringing to my heart someone who might just be ripe and ready for the gospel that I need to be speaking to, that I need to be sharing with. And pastor, I, I want to have that boldness. I want to have that courage. God has brought someone to mind. I, I want to see the, the harvest for what it is. And Pastor, I want to do my part in, in sharing the gospel with someone. Pastor, would you pray that I'll have that boldness, that courage, tomorrow as I go out to work, tomorrow as I go out to school, that I'll have that courage, that boldness to share the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you pray for me, Pastor? Would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can pray for you? Hands across the place. Father, you've placed us in a field that is ripe. God, forgive me when I get my eyes on the other things and miss the harvest. Give us the boldness, the courage to speak up your truth that we might see just one woman come to Christ that would be able to influence a city, a family to come to Christ. Be with our missionaries and give them boldness as they go to the field that they might do the job that you've called them to do. And Father, we will thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, we have a couple things that we're going to deal with. So we have uh, tonight we're taking up uh, um, nominations for 
uh, deacons, and we are going to uh, vote on the Klingemans. Uh, the Klingemans are welcome to stay and give nominations, but then we're going to ask you to uh, slip out so that we can talk behind your back. No, they stay. They're, they can stay. They're part of that decision. We're talking about you two. Uh, we're not sending them to Guam, are we? You guys aren't going to Guam, right? I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> not right now, anyway, right? Uh, so yes, they 